It's your boy Mason, the co-host of the Lunch Break Podcast. I have a guest. Her name is Madison Bacalia. She's in the Rochester, New York area, my hometown. Let's get it. And the industry she's in is the product and package design industry. How are you doing today, Madison? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, what's fascinating is when you and I first met, um, you're, we're touring, looking for workspace. And, um, when I learned about what you did, I, I thought, I thought it was pretty fascinating. Um, and you were also working full time. And I think you were looking for space for your boss at the time or, uh, for the company you work for, or a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, both. yeah. And I think one of the things that you and I are passionate about is branding. So when it comes to branding, why do you feel branding is important for companies? I think it's incredibly important because it does give a company a sense of personality. It gives them almost like a human factor to it um, also gives trust. It gives people a feeling of, oh, this is, you know, I, I resonate with this brand for XYZ. So it really has a lot more than just graphic design or strong copywriting. Um, there's so much that goes into branding that I think, you know, people don't even know. It's a lot of psychological reasons behind it, why it's so powerful and impactful. Yeah. I like how you use the word personality. Um, you know, one of the things I, like, I'm a big Starbucks lover, you know, and when I think of Starbucks personality, it's sophisticated. It's the coffee is rich. I often make fun of Tim Horton's coffee, um, because I just don't like it at all. It's like, it's, it's when I taste Tim Horton's coffee and I taste Starbucks, it's just a total different thing. And just the brand in general. Starbucks just has that, that sophisticated factor. So I like how you said branding is personality. And I think it kind of like, like I said, like it's a psychological factor. I think because of the sophisticated branding, it almost like in your head makes it seem, oh, this is a more elevated brand or better coffee because of that. And that's actually a lot of what I do is creating those packaging designs for small to large businesses that create this personality and and something that people want to buy and own and something that they want to give to others. So it's a huge part in um, that aspect of it. And using design and illustration is a huge part of branding as well. It kind of gives it that extra personality and that extra um, stylistic feel to it that people want to own. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Like, let's say someone, their business is new either six months, a year. Um, and they're like, okay, I want to elevate my brand. Mm-hmm. Where, do, where, do, where do they start? Like, how do you? I think the most important thing to start with is asking those big questions. Like, 
who are you? What, what do you want to do? What, how, how are you going to solve a problem in the marketplace? Um, what's your mission statement? Those types of things kind of give people an idea as far as the direction they want to go in, um, really what makes them different. I mean, because there are how many coffee shops are there out in the world? There's so many. But what makes that coffee shop different? What makes them stand out? Um, what makes them turn it into a sale and inevitably like a growing business. Those things are all factors to consider when, you know, you're starting. It's pretty overwhelming to be honest. Like when you're <laughs> right off the bat, they have all these like goals and dreams and they want to have it happen in a month or two. And I think my role too, it's, it's important to sit with, sit down with people and like really communicate and tell them like, okay, this is a process. And it's something that is, it does take a long time, especially somebody who has nothing established. It, it takes a long time. And that's actually what I tend, I tend to work with people who are very in the beginning phases with not much established. Um, and it's all about really a relationship with that person and understanding everything that they offer, even asking questions, maybe like getting to be friends with them and, and knowing more about them and what they want to offer. Um, being very personable and kind of knowing what questions to ask to get, you know, the right answers from them. Because I think, you know, even myself, like when I'm creating uh, my new brand for myself, it's so hard. You get so in your own head and you're like, I don't know, you know, who am I? I don't know. Yeah. That's a big question. <laughs> and yeah. I think having somebody else, to help you and, and talk with, um, it, it makes a huge difference. And that's kind of what I do for other people. It's hard. I'm not as good doing it for myself. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's natural. Like when it comes, yeah. like we may be good at something and when it comes to helping others, yeah, I, I definitely can understand that. And I like, like you said, it's a process. So mm -hmm. anybody out there that's creating a newer brand, the tips that you gave were spot on. Um, and it's very applicable. Um, and then thing too, and this is more of a selfish question, now that you were talking, um, there may be those in like, like I, I have, she's like a second mom to me. And uh, she's an entrepreneur and everything. And she's trying to rebrand um during COVID-19 because you know this um, yeah. no one saw this coming you no. know so let's say someone has had a successful brand you know relatively successful local it's a local brand had a measure of success now there's COVID and now you're trying to virtualize and digitalize what you've done you in your 60s and you want to you're, you're rebranding or you're rebranding something that people know of. How does one rebrand is it, a brand that's already known? Is she rebranding to make it more of a virtual, just, just for the adding that virtual element into it? And that's kind of why? Yes. She, yeah. I, mean, I think, first of all, it's awesome that she wants to adapt. I think that is like the number one thing, you know, as any entrepreneur or in general in, in life, I think it's so important to be able to adapt in the situation. And I think that's what a lot of the successful brands are doing right now is they are adapting to the new, the, everything, the new virtual approach. Um, 
and also more human factors to it. But I think if it's a recognizable brand, I wouldn't completely just scratch it. I, I don't think that that's a good idea um, to just completely scratch and do away with everything if it is recognizable and it's successful as that recognizable brand. The only time I really just say scratch it is if it's completely ineffective, it has bad press, like, you know, it, it needs a new name, it needs a new, new everything, a new identity. Because at the end of the day, that is what branding is, that identity factor. So, you know, it's, you got to think of that company and that business almost as if it were a person. So this person is adapting. It's changing to a new, new way of living, so to speak. What would you do as that person? And then kind of transfer that into the brand itself. Um, that's kind of what I would say. So, you know, making it, maybe not saying rebrand, but elevating, elevating the brand and seeing what's working and what's not working and focusing on, okay, well, this is the successes, the successful elements of this company. What can I do to make this better? What can I do to really hone in on this and, and also taking the new and applying that as well. And I had someone tell me that um, a while ago, someone, it stuck with me always that, you know, a lot of people, they, there's a lot of strengths and weaknesses and in a company or a person or whatever you're doing, um, and they said, actually, focus on the strengths. Don't focus on the weaknesses. Always focus on those strengths that you have or that you're doing, because that will, in turn, create a much better path for you. Rather than focusing on what's not good and what's not there, you're only holding yourself back. And I think a lot of people, you know, they always want to improve on where they're not strong in, which, of course, makes sense. But it actually creates such a better, stronger path and trajectory when you focus on those strengths and really hone in on it. And I, that's I, overall the advice I would give your friend is, you know, find those strengths, hold on to them, but elevate it and adapt. Yeah. I like how you said elevate it and adapt because sometimes people hear, you know, like just saying the word rebranding can cause anxiety. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, I got to rebrand. I like how you said, uh, to elevate it and, and adapt because not just her, but just, I've noticed that there's kind of like two types of entrepreneurs. And of course there's more than two types, but I'm just generalizing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's one where they're more decisive. They know what they want to do. And they're more, even if they don't have everything figured out, they're willing to take chances. So I guess, higher risk takers, like very, you know, go-getters, but their risk tolerance is very high. So even if everything isn't figured out, then you have those who maybe be more conservative um, and they might be afraid to take too big of a risk or they like to have everything figured out before they make the change. Um, in your experience, you probably have seen that like, okay, I'm working with this person or with this client, with that client. And then there's that hesitation, even though they know it may be practical to tweak this or change this or do things a little differently. They might be stuck, you know, on doing things how they're used to doing it. So I don't really have a question with that, but I just wanted to verbalize that and see. Yeah. I think it's interesting. What you've seen. It. It definitely, I think having those 
you know, different traits, it doesn't, it's not necessarily like a right or wrong. Um, I think the number one thing though, to really hone in on as a successful entrepreneur is having a growth mindset overall. So you can be pretty conservative in your practices, but still having that growth mindset and having an open mind to new ideas. And that's fine. I've seen that happen. I I found that to be very successful with some business owners. Um, I've seen sometimes on the other hand, where people are super risk-taking and it doesn't pan out very well because they're not practical and they're not thinking very practically. And in a weird way, they do have a very fixed mindset. They're very focused on this is just what I want to do and that's that. But they're not really thinking big picture. They're not thinking of other people's ideas. So it really could go one way or the other. But I think the main factor is having that growth mindset over a fixed mindset and adapting Mm. and being open-minded to changes. Yeah. Yeah, mindset is definitely, definitely where it's at. And that's one of the things I respect about you because recently you're taking a big step um, to go from a full-time employee with a side hustle to being a full-time entrepreneur. And I don't know if this is your first time going full-time in a a business endeavor, Um, but what I first want to say is I respect you for taking that leap. Cause it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not yeah. easy at all. So I wanted to recognize the bravery and courage for taking it out. Appreciate it. Actually, interesting enough, it is not my first time doing this. I, it's probably good to touch on this. I did do it um, a few years ago. I did leave a stable, you know, nine to five job to work for myself and freelance. And I, and I did admittedly fail. Um, And I've had a lot of time to reflect on why I failed, why it didn't work, why I wasn't successful. And it really put me off from ever doing it again. To be honest, I felt very discouraged. And I, and I fell back in old patterns of doing things out of safety, security, um, you know, not taking risks, being very conservative in my practices. And I just had this overwhelming sense of just unfulfillment, completely unfulfilled. And I think the thing that bothered me the most is it impacted how I was as a person yeah, outside of work. And I think that's what really pushed me more than anything now to do this is to be a better person in general and, you know, take care of myself, which then inevitably can help others and take care of other people and not being so stuck in a rut and in a funk. And I think a lot of us now through COVID is we're all experiencing that like funk and like this, highs and lows and very unknown. Um, and I definitely have those times where I'm very, you know, I'm very excited. I'm super hyped about it. And then I have times where I think back to when I did do it before and I'm scared and I'm, you know, like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right decision, but I, it just, it was like ever, every fiber of my being was like, I have to do this. I have to take this risk. I have to do it. Um, I had a very, very solid, I had a very solid few accounts that really pushed me to do it. Um, like dream accounts that I never thought I could have and dream jobs that I was doing on my own. Um, and I got to the point where I was either going to have to say no to my dream job and my accounts that I was doing on the side or say yes to my, you know, nine to five and it got to that point where I had to really decide that that's the crossroads I was at. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh no, I'll just, you know, get rid of the side job. Like that's, you know, that's fine. And I'll focus more on my nine to five job that because of the security and, you know, 
wanting to buy a home or whatever it may be, like those reasons in my head. And I did, I did decide to do that recently. And, um, I, I, I started feeling the same rut again, like going back where I was and feeling like I was backtracking. And to me as a person, I think that's like my least favorite thing is feeling like I'm backtracking. Um, and that's when I knew I was like, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta take the risk. I'm not going to say no to something that makes me happy and just do what makes me happy. And, and if, you know, maybe I'll just fake it till I make it. Maybe I'm feeling uneasy or not the most confident right now, but I'm going to do it. I'm just going to fake it till I make it and get over this funk and do it. <laughs> and yeah. that's where I'm at now. Like it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, with certain things and certain podcasts, I think people are like, you know, yeah, I'm a successful entrepreneur and here's how I did it. And for me, it's kind of like, all right, here's the beginning of this chapter and um, it's scary and yeah. I'm nervous, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, you know, now this is holding me accountable. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, um, you and I have some similarities because like most of my, cause I've been in the working and you know, I've been working since I was 16, I'm 27, 11. So 11 years. And I remember when I was 18, I had, um, I had this video game concept that I was going to launch. And so I paid a company to get it in motion, but basically that, that went south, that, that idea didn't work out. Um, but I learned a lot trying that not only, uh, as you know, a potential entrepreneur at some point, but also from, uh, from a work experience. And then, um, me and my ex-wife, we ran a home-based hair salon together. So I learned what it was like to have a business partner and how to work and my skill sets and how do you, how does my skill sets can complement someone else. And then after my divorce, um, I was working full time and then um, I landed a big client. And I probably was hasty because even though that one client was paying me more than my full-time job, I put all my eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on the project, um, you know, life was, was good, but then it was short-lived because um, basically, we just had two different um, values. And so since our values were, weren't aligned, I fired my own client. And so then I went back to, to working. And after that, I would, after that, I became more conservative. So now my risk tolerance yeah. when I was 18 to let's say 24, my risk tolerance was like high. Like if zero is like, super duper 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 conservative and 10 is like i'm a super duper risk taker i used to be between probably seven and eight now i'm like a five five and a half um so my risk tolerance is not as high which is why um i prefer to work for someone else plus honestly majority of my family feel if you make between 40 and fifty thousand, that's you haven't made that's just how my family thinks. Some of them make more than that, um, whether it's six figures. And then I may have one or two millionaires that live in a different city. Um, oh, wow. But majority of my family, you know, 
oh, if you make 40 or 50,000 a year, that's, you got it made, right? So I think part of me is conditioned. Like 40 to 50,000 is just a number in my head. Like how much should I make 40, 50,000? So, but I'm like, I'm probably more likely to make 40 or 50 or around that if I'm, if I'm working full time versus taking that risk and, you know, the responsibility. So, um, but you and I have, have that in common where we've taken risk, we failed yep. and we learned from it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important too to admit your failures and admit where you went wrong. I mean, um, I think that's not easy to do. I think it's not easy to reflect on, you know, where, where you went astray, where it went wrong, and then figure out a solution to that problem. And I think doing that and setting the goals and reaching that is an incredibly fulfilling um, thing to achieve. And I think that's what I was lacking when I was working at a company. I, I didn't feel that. I felt, I, honestly, it felt like I gave up. It felt like I just quit and I gave up and I didn't close the chapter. And that was something I couldn't shake. Even with the stability and, and all the great things that came with it, that feeling is I just couldn't shake that. Yeah. Um, and now, now you're here. So what, what do you do for your business? What are, what, how do you help your clients? So my um, overarching business is, so first of all, it's called, it's Rizal Studio, and that's my uh, personal it's, it, it does do a lot of branding, brand design, but it also focuses a lot on packaging. So they work hand in hand. And I guess my overall mission is to help small businesses. I think there are a lot of, especially with COVID, and that's another thing, it, it made me want to do this even more because I kept seeing how, you know, over time, like Amazon and COVID and everything is just wiping small businesses. And it's sad. I mean, these are people's livelihoods. These are how people make money and how people feel fulfillment in their lives and give them something, you know, it's, it's incredibly important. And I, it was sad seeing all these small businesses go. And I think, so what I do is I I work on giving these brands and these upcoming new startups, or even some people that are established and have been doing it for a while and give their, their company a new face, a new image a personality, but then more specifically, designing gifts and products. Um, so I work a lot with people in beauty industry or gift industry, and it's kind of twofold because it's helping small businesses and it's also working for inevitably what will become a gift for somebody else. And the homemade element of it is something I love too. Um, so it kind of all, it put in all my interests and values into one niche area and using my skill sets in that niche area and became something that I actually was really able to run with. And, um, I started seeing the big market for it. Um, and it's, it's been kind of a dream, like working with the the clients I've been working with. I still, sometimes I like, I can't believe I'm doing this work. Like it's so, it's so fulfilling. It's so fun. Um, I love every second of it and I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. That's pretty amazing that, um, you're in this industry. I don't know too many people in the product and packaging design industry. Um, but what you're doing for clients is very beneficial. And it's like, it's a, it's more of, I'm not going to say too much of a niche, but most entrepreneurs probably don't know much about that. 
And so they need your skill set. Like the skill set that you have is very uh, practical. And like people are like, okay, I need I need someone to do this for me because that's just not, you know, they want to be in their lane. They want to focus on what they're good at. Um, so what makes someone hire you over someone else? Like what um, makes you stand apart from the competition? Usually the i would say overall the the specialty factor of it is important i think there are so many you know branding studios or design studios out there that it's it's so widespread it's it's hard to find um a creative company that's very specialized and specific in an area so i think that factor right there kind of streamlines clients and and gets the right work and the right people um, and also too, again, with like branding and trust factor, I think that, you know, people trust somebody who had, they do have a niche and they do have a specialty. Um, so that element is, I think why they do pick me over someone who does more general design, um, for that exact reason. And I think also too, the illustration factor, the homemade factor, uh, the wanting to help small businesses, wanting to work with small businesses and create a relationship. And the fact that, I myself am a small business and just working solo, you know, I think that creates this really nice partnership um, instead of working with a bigger company or a group of people and having your designs pass along multiple people, it becomes more of a day job for somebody rather than a passion project. And so when I'm working with somebody on their product design and packaging, that's not just something for me to finish and get done. It's something I, I take a lot of pride in and I really care a lot about it as if it were my own. And that I, I do believe that, you know, kind of helps me stand above the competition in that regard. Yeah. Taking pride in what you do and caring definitely matters. Yes. And like you said, like it's very, what you do is very specialized. And like when you, I'll use this analogy like, okay, yes, there's doctors, there's physicians, but then there's specialists. Yeah. Right? Yep. You know, there's the eye doctor or this kind of doctor or, um, and so when you're a specialist, people are willing um, to seek you out because that's what they need. And so it's very beneficial that that's what um, you do for your clients. In the industry that you're in, I don't know much about, I know you mentioned you know, commercial illustration, um, and more on the visual side of things. Um, and certain companies, that's something they're going to need, you know? So what kind of, when it comes to like your target market, what kind of companies need what you do? Um, so for the most part, it, it, so the industries are gift and beauty primarily. Those are the two main industries that I do work with. Um, and the great part about this niche, so to speak, is it you can work with people who are very small startups to really big manufacturers. Um, so there's a lot of area of, you know, growth. And there's, I mean, think about it. The beauty industry is a giant, giant industry. I mean, they all, every time you buy something, skincare, beauty, whatever it may be, it came in a box and a beautiful box that you wanted to buy and that I'm sure helped, you know, the sale of it. And someone's out there that needs to do it. So that's kind of where I step in and, and create those things. Um, 
So it, it really primarily is the gift and beauty industry. I've done a few things for wedding industry. It, it's not as much and not as large, but so those three things primarily, those three target audiences. But as far as like the size of the company, that, that can be very, very um, diverse. Okay. And what's your why? Like, why packaging and design? Why is that in the industry you chose for you? So throughout my time of working, I worked many different types of design jobs. I worked in-house, freelance, production, agency. Um, I yeah. worked in all different areas. And the one job that I always kept going back to was I worked at a candle company doing the packaging and marketing and branding. And that honestly was my favorite in like my favorite job, even though it was my first job, like, Sweet. You know, really, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was just the job. I kept being like, well, I want to do that. That's what I loved. That's what I want to keep doing. And you know, it's not like a huge marketplace to go apply for something like that. And mm -hmm. I just, I kept, I just kept feeling the drive to do that. I want to do it. I kept seeing a demand for it, a need for it. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to put myself out there. And um, actually, one of the big accounts I have, they're a giant manufacturing company. And I have a very steady uh, work relationship with them. And they found me through like a, they found me online, actually, which was really cool. Um, and one of my projects got recognized and won an award and then they found me through that and I've been working with them ever since and it's it's been a great relationship and I get to do like I get to do hand illustrations and um lots of different really cool projects right now I'm doing the Christmas packaging line for their uh candles diffusers that kind of stuff and it's I just I still can't believe I'm doing it it's, it's so fun and recently I had a intern work with me and she you know, she was looking around for internships and she found Rizal Studio online and she was like, oh, I really want to work here. It's interesting. Like, I don't see a lot of design studios like this or designers that do this kind of work with illustration focused. And I, and I was telling her like, yeah, there is a demand for it. There is a need for it. And you can do this in life. Like you really can be a commercial illustrator and use it in the marketplace as a packaging designer, using it branding, whatever it may be, animation, that's huge. Um, you know, those things are, they're very practical and people do value those. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. You know, like, like, honestly, I have like, and I hope this don't come across the wrong way, but I have a soft spot for you and what you're doing because like, um, people like, cause I, you know, met you personally. It's not like this is, um, like you're a stranger and you're the type of person from what I've observed that really cares, not just about like the community, but whoever you're working with and whoever you're working for. So your, your clients are very, uh, honored to have you. Um, and any, uh, future clients that you get, they, they're honored to have you. You're just, um, a breath of fresh air. And then like just your, philosophy and views on business and life is kind of like you care. I, I know that sounds simple, but it's like, there's a lot of um, people out there 
where um, they don't care. You know, it's more about the end game um, or just profit. But for you, it's bigger than that. Yes. And so, um, you know, anybody that works with you is um, blessed to, to have you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's really something that, you know, I, I, it's, the care factor is definitely there and taking a lot of pride in what I do is there. And so, you know, that's, I do value relationships over anything else, like creating great relationships and making friends and, you know, having a very fulfilling career along the way. Yeah. So we, we have that, we share that value that we put relationships over, you know, yeah. over other things. So here's the, um, the hot moment. Um, business is personal. You know, that's the theme that I've ran with and I'm probably going to run with it in uh, season five too. Um, because there's been certain times in my life where people have said, Oh, it's just business, mm -hmm. you know? And usually when they say in that, it's because something unpleasant is about to happen. Yes. Right. But they kind of dehumanize it just because it's like, you know, it's, it's just business, you know? But my belief is business is personal. I feel like it's something that, I feel like it's something that more companies should run with. So when you hear business is personal, what does that mean to you? I, I 100% agree with that statement. I, I think it's incredibly personal, um, especially, especially as an entrepreneur. I think creating any entrepreneur is creating a solution to a problem in the marketplace based on their skills and interests and values. So how could it not be personal? I mean, that is like, you're really putting yourself out there. <laughs> and, you know, when somebody you know, just wants to do it like clock in, clock out, so to speak, that, you know, that might be their, their value and their interest. And that's, that's great. That's fine. I mean, if anything, that, that could be a very, you know, good tactic and they maybe really put their value in their personal life. Um, but to certain people that decide that this is, this is their, their, like everything. I mean, it, it is a very personal endeavor for sure. Um, I think at times, it could be taken too. I take things too personally, and that's definitely a flaw I have. And I care too much, um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that I and I know I'm a very emotional person. Um, so sometimes, like I have to dial it back a little bit and realize, like sometimes I do have to think, okay, don't take it personally. It's just it's just work. It's business. Mm -hmm. um, Hundred percent. I think I definitely need to do that. But I I don't see how it's not personal. I, I would I would be interested to hear someone else's point of view that says like oh no especially an entrepreneur who's like no it's not personal it's just something you do um, forty plus hours a week and you know you clock in clock out so to speak like I I would be interested to have a conversation and hear another point of view um, yeah. just especially like with how it all came to be and how my freelance endeavors all unfolded and happened it was entirely. I would say it's more than just like a career interest. It really came down to values and passion and, and, you know, wanting to solve problems in the, in the world. I mean, not like, you know, not that it's solving problems in the world, but you know, you think of it like that as, 
as, uh, as you're starting it and you're you know, working towards something. Um, and I think that the passion needs to be there. If it's not there, like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said sometimes you take things too personal. I'm, I could be that way sometimes, too, where yeah. um, I might be too invested. Um, and I think it's just natural because, like, I don't know if you took the personality test, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I have. Mine's is uh, ENFJ. Okay, ENFJ. Yeah. yeah, ENFJ. And part of my personality is, I think one of the weaknesses is to take things too personally. Yeah. Um, just because I care a lot. And I think you're right. I think, like I, I did an episode earlier. It's not live yet, but um, I did it at uh, like probably an hour and a half before we got on. And... He was talking about, Crystal Forrest was talking about how, in general, business is not personal. Not that that's his personal belief, but just like we compartmentalize, not us, but just the American society in general has compartmentalized, okay, religion is over here, work is over here, personal is over here. It's not really connected, but it should be. It should be. So... Yeah. I haven't had someone come on the show that disagreed. I would love, if there's somebody out there, yeah. let me just say this right now. If there's somebody out there who strongly disagrees, if someone's like, nope, business is not personal, I would love to have someone on the show that disagrees and we could just have a friendly debate kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. that I think that would be amazing. But I think there's a balance, right? Yes, 100%. Business is personal, but we don't want to make it too personal. personal. Um, yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, because I think like if you do take it too personal, then you're losing sight of the bigger picture. You're only thinking about yourself then, and that's when it can start to be self-serving rather than, you know, putting something out there to benefit others. Because at the end of the day, like I think that's what a lot of us want to do. We want to benefit other people or make something better in the marketplace or in people's lives or whatever it may be. And if it starts to become too personal, then it can be self-serving and it can go a completely different direction. So I think you're right about the whole balance factor. It needs to be a balance. And especially like me at my stage, I am really working towards getting that balance down and making, you know, setting those boundaries um, and not internalizing every, every little thing. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, one of my biggest motivators, like what you said, this made me, something popped in my head. One of my motivators is what I do, like actions that I take for my career, I want to set a good example for my nine younger sisters. Because I'm the oldest, right? Yeah. So as the oldest, I'm like, okay, subconsciously, I'm like, okay, how am I going to set a precedent? I don't have children, but to me, they're not my children, but that's the closest thing to it. Right. Especially yeah. my youngest sister is six. The second youngest is 11. I'm 27. So I'm like, how am I going to inspire them? And to me, I say this to my friends, I say this to family, I'm 
95% action and example and 5% talk. I don't like, I, like, I'm not going to give advice or a suggestion if I'm not doing it myself. Yeah, I think that. And when they look at what I'm doing and seeing the acts, oh, this is what, this is how, this is how he handled this. This is, how, this is his character. I feel like who I am, what I do is more important than what I say to them. And if I had a business, one of my motivators is, okay, if I'm going to be successful, part of it would be for them. And to me, that make, that adds into why business is person. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Does that, I mean, you are a huge role model. I mean, maybe I'm sure, you know, and I'm sure they probably tell you, but that like what you're saying and what you're doing and your actions are speaking volumes to them, especially at that age. And I think that's incredible that you think about it like that. And, you know, it also gives you this accountability factor too, and keeps you in check also. And I think that's huge. It's like that having skin in the game mentality where every entrepreneur, they need to have skin in the game. And I think what you just said is that for you. And I, and I think that's incredible. And that's probably the best, you know, the best factor you could ever think of and have. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things that, um, by you saying that, but for, for you, what, I know you're in the package and design industry and you recently pivoted, but what motivates you and when you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, I'm about to take care of business. I got to do that. I got to do me. Um, what motivates you? I, you know, it's hard. Cause I think some days it's, it, it's different. I think some days it's like, what motivates me is, um, you know, making a dream a reality, but then other times it's, inevitable, like working on myself so that I'm a better person. And, you know, when I'm in a funk, I feel like I'm not reaching out as much. I'm not as social or helpful as I am when I'm in a happier place. So a lot of it is just being a better person in general and being someone that, you know, um, a, a role model to my younger sibling, that kind of thing. I mean, that's, it's something that sticks in my head, but it, it's something that I really want to dive deeper in because I do feel like it is different a lot. And it's not like a concrete, like, this is it. This is my answer. And I, I want to have that. I think that's incredible that you have that and um, that accountability. And I, I, I want to do more soul searching into like what it is um, rather than just finding fulfillment, you know, something, something a little bit more concrete and specific. Yeah. Uh, the first thing you mentioned was making a dream a reality what is your dream you know it's funny i was i was talking to my sister about this um last weekend and we just kind of were like what's your dream life if you just had to simplify like what, what's your dream situation and scenario and i couldn't believe how simple my answer was it shocked me how simple it was i, I literally just said you know having my family and two dogs in a little like cottage type house and doing something creative every day. That was my answer. That was my dream life. 
And it was so simple. It was scary. And I feel like day to day, I overcomplicate things and like, you know, want more out of, you know, want more out of life and, you know, want to achieve greatness. But it's like, that's, that is to me what greatness is. That simple, nice life with family and friends and people who care about you and love you and doing something you love every day. That's it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it, you do get lost in, in everything that's going on. And, you know, especially with social media and whatever, comparing yourselves, it's just like, no, it really is that simple for some people, you know, not everybody, everybody has different goals and dreams. But for me, it was that simple. And, and it really, it was a pretty profound moment. It gave me a lot to reflect on. I think, you know, just how, why overcomplicated, what, you know, yeah. really isn't that complicated. Yeah. I would say hold on to that dream. And uh, this is just like, you could do this if you want to. It's something I'm working on even for myself. Whether it's a painting or some type of digital picture mm -hmm. to remind you that that's what you're fighting for. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You know? I love that. uh, because you and I both are probably visual. Yeah. And so like seeing that every morning is like, okay, that's the dream that I want. My dream is simple is simple too. You know, I want to start a family. Like at some point I want to start a family. So whether that's I'm married with two kids or I'm just married and um, I don't want two dogs. <laughs> I am not a domestic animal kind of guy. Uh, I grew up with, dogs but i don't want dogs or cats i can have a small dog but i would prefer honestly i would prefer an aquarium oh that's um, cool. like yeah. a you know different fishes in there and stuff like that i'm a big fan of shark tank so i don't know if there's like many sharks i could put in my little shark tank <laughs> i think that'd be funny i think that'd be nice yeah and honestly so i would love like whether it's a condo townhome whatever and then living near a basketball court, because I love basketball, and living near a Walmart or Wegmans or some type of store. Long if I'm near Wegmans or a store similar to Wegmans yeah. or a Walmart, and then I got a basketball court near me. I'm you know, I got a job that I love. Um, you know, I got fam good family around me. That's that's my dream. Like yeah. it it's sounds simple, but that's that's for me. So I'm, I, I want some type of art that represents that. Yeah. Or some type of um, something, even if it's a collage of pictures. You know, that's a good thought. I didn't even, I didn't even think to do that, but I think that's like seeing that every day. That's huge. And having a reminder of that every day. Cause like every person, no matter who you are, no matter how successful your career is, there are days where you wake up and you're like, what am I doing? I feel lost. I, I don't know what's up, what's down. I'm depressed. Like, you know, it, it just it mm. happens to everybody. But having that visual and that reminder and just bringing down to earth and being like, no, it's that simple. Like, just focus and you know, be a good person and take pride in your work. And, and just having that reminder every day is huge. And I think that could be a very profound um, little thing in people's lives to add in. And I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. That's, a, that's something I'm definitely going to work on this weekend. Yeah. Well, thank you, Madison, for being on the show. Um, I know your dreams are going to come true. 
Um, and I wish you the best in your endeavor. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was it was awesome. I love chatting with you, and, and this was this was fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories on their lunch breaks. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating, share on social media, and make sure you come back for more episodes on Season 4 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where business is personal.